Hello and welcome to Fork Tongues, conversations with foreigners living in France. I'm Derek Rawson. I'm from Australia, but I've been living in France for more than 10 years now, first in Paris and now in Poitiers. I started this podcast as a way of rediscovering my love of France and French culture. With my guests, I delve into all aspects of living in France, from language and culture to meeting locals and discovering the food, giving you a glimpse of what daily life in France is really like, at least from a foreigner's perspective. We also talk about our home countries too. So not only will you learn about life in France, you'll also hear about life in other countries around the world as well. In this episode, number six of the Forked Tongues journey, I speak with Igor Albuquerque Maia from Brazil. This time the connection was made through Peter Jordan, my episode one guest, Igor being a student of Peter's in a research laboratory at the university here in Poitiers. So as well as discussing his research work on reducing noise in jet engines, no less, we talk about Igor's arrival in France, falling in love with Paris, the pleasures and challenges of big cities compared to smaller towns, learning French and the importance of being yourself in another language. And of course, we also spend some time on the regular forked tongue subjects of food and books. So I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Welcome, Igor. Thank um, you. <laughs> it's great to have you here and a part of the Forked Tongues podcast. I have a bit of a silly question to start with. Um, yeah. I don't know if you ever go to the, the Mediatek here in Poitiers, but I, I love going for the, the DVDs and the, the CDs as well. I think they've got a great music selection. And um, mm-hmm. it was last year, I think, that I discovered on their kind of librarian selection table uh, a CD by Tim Mayer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm pronouncing his surname correctly, but yeah, I'm, that's good. Yeah, I'm okay, sorry. and that's that's this, your surname too, Maya. So, silly question, <laughs> no relation, I suppose. No, no, no relation. I guess Maya is a it's a common name in Brazil. Okay, but but I do I do like that singer. So yeah, it seems to be like was quite a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was he had quite a, a character, but music wise, he was a really great singer, yeah. a great musician. Yeah, real innovator, it seems. Uh, yeah, yeah. He mixed a lot of stuff, like a lot of uh, American funk and soul with like Brazil rhythm. So uh, yeah, he was really, really good. Yeah, and died unfortunately young, but it sounded like yeah, his, his yeah, lifestyle uh, perhaps yeah. led him to... His lifestyle, his <laughs> habits didn't help him a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I remember, well, I re- checked him out on Wikipedia and they talked about his triathlon before a concert, which often meant that he missed the concert. The, yeah. The triathlon being uh, whiskey, cocaine and marijuana. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dangerous combination. <laughs> exactly. Are you a musician? No, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I love listening to music. I have a lot of interests in music. I tried playing the guitar when I was a teenager, but once I got into college, I, I kind of dropped it because I, I didn't have enough time to practice, which is a shame because I'd really like to, to play an instrument, but unfortunately I don't. <laughs> Well, I think we've established that you're from Brazil. Um, so today I would like to discuss, of course, your experience of living in France, but also, you know, comparisons to Brazil and, and what life in Brazil is like too. Where are you from? I'm from a city called Fortaleza. It's in the northeast of Brazil, so in the in the Atlantic coast. Can you describe it a bit? Uh, what's what's it like? Well, it's a, it's a big city for France standards, uh, even for Brazilian standards, it has 3 million inhabitants. I mean, it's a nice city for a lot of reasons. You have the beach, you have a lot of natural, beautiful natural landscapes. There are a lot of cultural activities every day of the week. So it's a pretty lively city. So those are some of the good things. The bad things is that it has grown a lot over the, the past 10 years, let's say, and in a very disordered manner. So it's, it's kind of chaotic now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that comes with all those issues associated with big cities like traffic jams and uh, stuff like that. But I, yeah, I really liked there. I, I love that city. I mean, so you grew up there and went to university there. And- yeah, I grew up there. So I went to university there. I lived with my parents until I was twenty-one, 
And then after that, I came to France for a year uh, abroad during my undergraduate course. Mm -hmm. Then I went back to Brazil. I moved to the other side of the country, to the south of Brazil, to do a master's. I lived for three years there. And then I came to France after for my PhD. So where did you come in France the first time? The first time I was in Nantes. Nantes. So yeah, not very far from Poitiers. I stayed for like eight months there. Took some courses at Ecole Centrale de Nantes. And then I moved to Paris for an internship for four months. And then after that, I went back to Brazil. Great. Yeah. So what was the experience of arriving in Nantes like? Did, did you have a few you know, ideas uh, about what life in France would be like? Or did you speak the language at that time? Uh, yeah, so I took two years of French courses before I went there. And at the time, I thought my French was decent. But when <laughs> I arrived here, I struggled a lot, actually, because I, I mean, I had the basic knowledge of grammar and so on. But when you get here and you have to adapt to everyday vocabulary and speak fast enough, think and speak at the same time, it was, it was quite a struggle. So whenever I had to an appointment like in the bank or in the school or something like that, it was it was a bit of a stress. I know what that's like. Yeah, <laughs> but that I mean, it took me so it took me a couple of months to adapt. But after that, it was it was smooth. So I, it, it was a really really nice experience. What were you studying there? Uh, I was mechanical engineering. I took some courses there uh, in the last year of the engineer cycle, as they call it. After that, I moved to Paris. But I gotta say that um, in the first time. It wasn't, the experience was, wasn't as complete as it was now, uh, because I spent most of my time with other foreign students. So at the beginning, like my French level was really increasing, but at some point, because I was hanged out with other foreigners, my, my French kind of reached a plateau. So other Brazilians or no? Yeah, there were a lot of Brazilians there and also a lot of Spanish people. So we used to hang out all the time. When I got to Poitiers this time for a PhD, so there weren't a lot of Brazilians around. And I spent much more time with French, with locals. And so, I mean, from a cultural point of view, it was a much more complete experience. How long have you been in Poitiers now? Uh, for five years. Five years? Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that perhaps uh, in the future. But yeah, tell me more about, about arriving in Paris. Because, um, I mean, I imagine you had ideas about Paris uh, being one of the world's kind of most talked about or romanticized cities yeah yeah so so before going to paris for the internship i've i went there a lot of times to visit and i just loved that city from Nantes, you mean? Uh, yeah yeah i used to go there for weekends to visit friends or just to, to travel and i just loved it i thought it was a great city lots of stuff to do culturally like a lot of activities did you have favorite neighborhoods to visit or walk around in or favorite parts of yeah like the quartier latin was was a really nice place there was this uh street called rue du Mouffetard. Close to the Pantheon, which I really loved. I used to go there all the time. <laughs> that was uh, the place I stayed when I first went to Paris as a, as a young backpacker was on oh, the really? street. Yeah, the Young and Happy Hostel, was, <laughs> okay. what it was called. And I think it's still there. It's changed. But okay, it's, yeah. okay. Yeah, I love that city. I, uh, it was really, really lively. A lot of bars and... I used to go there a lot. So, but then I, when I went to the, to the internship, it was a, a different experience because, so I lived really far away from my workplace. So I had like one hour and a half of a commute. So three hours way and back every day. So that my quality of life was not what I was expecting. Were you living in the city and the office was outside in the suburbs? Yeah, I was living in the south of Paris, like in the Cité Universitaire. And my workplace was in Saint-Ouen, so in the north, of, in the other side of the city. You had to cross Paris every day. Yeah, I had to cross Paris every day. So that was, wasn't very uh, pleasant. But then again, I mean, that, that was mainly the, the only negative thing. The other, the rest of the experience was, was really, really good. After a couple of months, I was pretty tired from this commute, so uh, I... I kind of changed opinions about big cities because like being born in a, in a big city when I came to Poitiers was, was a big change. 
and I used to think that I would like to go back to a big city and live to enjoy this this all this cultural activity that uh, you you have in those places. But now I, when I think about it, I kind of see that I I'm not sure <laughs> if I want to go back to, sure. to such a big city. And maybe especially at the moment, uh, I think lots of people are leaving big cities for a yeah, quieter sort exactly. of life with more space uh, elsewhere. Exactly. So um, that first time in well the the. Four months in Paris. Um, who are you spending your time with? What, uh, if your your free time, if you had much of it? Once again, a lot of um, foreign students. There were a couple of Brazilian friends, but there were also foreign students. There were there were Spanish people. There were people from Algeria, people from Italy. So it was a very rich environment in terms of different cultures. Did you find Parisians kind of welcoming? What were your interactions with Parisians like? It's hard to say actually because when you walk around Paris, you never know when you when you meet a Parisian or not. I mean, there are so many foreign people and uh, like French from other parts of France. So I, to be honest, I didn't have a lot of experience with with local people in Paris. We often hear that Parisians are like uh, rude or unfriendly or unhelpful if you ask you know directions or something like that. I I never had that experience myself, but what, mm. what was yours like if you ever? Yeah, I had I had I had some unpleasant experience uh, in that sense. Like people are really. I met some really rude people, like in, in the metro, the, the rhythm is just crazy. People are, they just walk all over you if you, if you don't move it, if you don't step aside. But I didn't, I never associated that with Parisians, actually. I associate that with uh, the lifestyle in big cities. I, when I go to other big cities, I see the same, the same kind of thing. So I never put much blame in Parisian for, for that. So after, after that time, you returned to, to Brazil for... Three years, three years, yeah. So I came back, I finished my undergraduate course. I moved to the south of Brazil, to a city called Florianópolis, mm -hmm. to do my master's. Okay. And I lived there for three years. Did you think you would come back to France at that point? Is that, was that kind of the plan? Not to France specifically. I, I knew that I wanted to do a PhD abroad. That was an experience that I wanted to have. Because uh, I liked the, this year abroad so much that I, I knew that I wanted to come back. But I wasn't aiming specifically to France. It was, it was kind of a, a not on purpose. So I started at the end of my master. I started looking for opportunities in mainly in Europe. I mean, Poitiers just just happened, <laughs> yeah, by chance. Is it easy to to get uh, student visas as a Brazilian to Europe? The the most difficult thing is getting the uh, the funding for your studies. And at the time, there was a a Brazilian program called Science Without Borders to finance uh, studies uh, abroad. So I got that funding. Yeah, it wasn't that easy. I got the the very less funding possible, and then the program was shut down just after. But then once you get that, the, the whole procedure to get a visa is quite straightforward. Were there certain um, language levels that you had to, to meet uh, to be accepted? Yeah, I had to do an interview with French professors that went to Brazil. Yeah, they kind of asked you some questions to, to assess your, your basic level. But that wasn't that hard, I, I gotta say. I think they weren't expecting much. If they saw that you had like a basic knowledge of the, the grammar and, and stuff, they, 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 were, they were happy. <laughs> So how did you learn French? You mentioned you had two years at school. Uh, no, it was not school. It was a it was a course, like a, a separate course. It was not part of my studies. An extracurricular yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. So it was two years. It was at the university as well. What helped you the most to, to learn French? Studying sort of grammar in books or watching films and listening to French no, music? No, listen, listen to music. I used to listen to music. I used to... I, I tried to, to read books at the time. Uh, my, my level, my French level at the time was not that good, but I, I made an effort to, to try to read some things. So that really helped me, yeah. And also seeing movies with subtitles, and that also helped, yeah. 
I mean, the, the, yeah, the basic course was not, was not enough, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Are there any films that kind of stuck in your mind uh, that formed your idea or images of France? Uh, Let's see. I'm putting you on the spot, so if you can't remember, it's not a problem. Uh, no, the, so in my, in Fortaleza, there was, every year there was a, f- a festival of French movies. There was one which really, which I really liked, it was called In Bouteille à la Mer de Gaza. It was mostly uh, new films, nothing classical, but it was a really nice movie that I liked. And does that mean then there's kind of a, an interest generally in Brazil uh, regarding France, if there's a French film festival every year? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think France and Italy are maybe the most, how do I put this, are countries that are really, I mean, visible countries in Europe, you mm-hmm. mean, for, uh, okay. for, for Brazil. So popular destinations. Yeah, exactly. Dream destinations in, in the popular imagination. Yeah, exactly. And um, based on your experience in France, have you felt that French people have certain ideas about about Brazil and, and people from Brazil? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got to say that I my feeling is that there is a lot of sympathy towards Brazilians in France. Whenever I meet someone and I say, oh, I'm Brazilian, they say, yeah, that's cool. Uh, they ask me questions about it. It's mostly cliches okay. <laughs> about, you know, carnival, samba, football and stuff like that. But I mean, I like that when whenever I, I meet someone and I say that I'm Brazilian, I sense that there is this sympathy, there is this... Mm-hmm. Uh, towards Brazilians. Yeah, I felt the same thing being Australian. I think uh, there's kind of a, a warmth or an interest there as well. Mm. Often people ask me, uh, not the first question, but ask me about the Aborigines in Australia. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, well, when people find out about the history, they're quite shocked. Um, I yeah. don't know if there are similar things in, in Brazil or, no, it's more, uh, as you said, Carnaval and Samba. And... No, no, there is a really, Brazil is, has a really violent history. So, yeah, but I, I'm... I don't get a lot of questions about it. I, I do get a lot of questions about Brazil's social problems and, and political problems. Uh, I guess that's normal given the situation, right? Mm. But I mean, I, uh, I don't. I don't feel uncomfortable talking about that. I think I think it's good to discuss those, those mm. kinds of things. That's probably yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that because I mean, I asked you about films that maybe created your idea of France. Mm-hmm. If I think of films, Brazilian films I've seen, which I haven't seen many to be honest, but maybe you can guess the one that I'm going to mention, um, which is uh, City of God. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of you know about the favelas and everything. Yeah, and internationally people have a today have an idea or have images of favelas and mm-hmm. so many Rio or are they ev- everywhere? They're kind of everywhere. I mean, the big cities, you always have favelas. Um, the ones in Rio stand out because they're huge. The biggest one has like 1 million people living in it. So it's, mm-hmm. they're really big. But in my, in my hometown, there, there are also favelas. There are places that you need to avoid. Unfortunately, there are people living in terrible conditions. So it, it, it's kind of a widespread problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you f- consider France a, a safe country? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially coming from Brazil. <laughs> You've never had any any problems uh, in Nantes or Paris or, or Poitiers. Uh, I had one problem once in Nantes. So I was walking home, coming back from a bar at, at night. There was me and a friend of mine, and this guy crossed us on the street, and he just threw a punch at my friend's face <laughs> out of nowhere. So we kind of had to run to avoid a fight. But this, I mean, that was the only thing that ever happened. But in general, I feel really safe here. Yeah. I think if you talk to Brazilians, the first thing they're going to say when they come to Europe is that, wow, this is a really safe place. I mean, you don't have to look over your shoulder all the time or you don't have to fear being uh, robbed or something like that. What do you think about Poitiers? How would you describe Poitiers to, to people listening perhaps around the world to this podcast? <laughs> Well, what can I say? It was not it was not love at first sight. I gotta say with Poitiers, 
but it was a love that was constructed. <laughs> it was a feeling that was constructed over time. Yeah, I really uh, learned actually to to enjoy the city, to enjoy it. It's a small city, so it, it's nice that you can have your favorite places. You can go to them all the time. You can get to interact with the locals, which is something that in a big city is it's much harder to to achieve. So yeah, in general, I really like Poitiers. What time of year did you arrive? Because some of the people I've already talked to on this podcast have like arrived in the sort of the heart of winter and it was you know cold and grey. And yeah, I arrived in February, okay. so it was cold and grey. <laughs> yeah. Not the best time to arrive. Yeah, that's Not true. That's true. But I mean, I, I knew that before coming, so I wasn't expecting great weather, so it, it was fine. Do you have a place in in the center of town or are you a bit outside? It's in the center of Poitiers. So that's really cool because we are walking distance from all the bars, the restaurants in the center. So yeah, I, I really got used to living in the center and doing everything by foot, uh, except going to work. Where I take the bus to go to work, but for everything else, I try to do walking. So you don't need a car? Or? No, I I thought about buying a, a few times, but there isn't really necessary. I mean, you can you can get around pretty easily by bus or by bike or just walking. Do you do the whole sort of French open air market uh, during well Saturday mornings or at the weekends? Or? Yeah, I do. I do. I go to the market every Saturday. I also learned to to like that activity. Like it, it became kind of a routine on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wake up a little little early and then go to the market. It doesn't really exist in, in Brazil. That kind of. Uh... It does. It does. Yeah, yeah. But what what is good here is that I mean I came from a big city, so the difference here is that you get to see the people, the same people every time in the market, and I I find that cool actually. It's kind of a bit of a village atmosphere. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And so French, uh, French cooking, have you sort of, uh, what do you feel about French cooking and, and uh, do you cook at home as well? Or? Yeah, I cook at home, yeah. Mostly Brazilian stuff okay. or <laughs> not much French. But, For uh, example, what, what do you cook that's Brazilian and how do you get the Brazilian ingredients if, uh, if there is There is a dish that I love which is called feijoada. Uh, it's black beans with pork. Um, it's kind of a national dish. Right? Yeah, it's kind of a national dish, exactly. So I cook it from time to time. Uh, it's not that easy to find ingredients, so I used to bring them with me when I came to Brazil for for a vacation. But now I found a, a place on the internet where I can buy them, so so that's good. <laughs> but French cooking, I mean, there are things that I really like and things that I like less. Let's see, things that I like, the classical things like wine and cheese. This is something that we don't have in Brazil and which are really, really good here. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I appreciate them a lot. We go to restaurants, used to go to restaurants quite often before the pandemic. That's right. So I, yeah, and in a general sense, I, I'd say that I, I like them. I like the French cuisine, yeah. And um, have you ever been to a Brazilian restaurant in France, maybe in Paris? No, no, I, I've never done it. Because most, I, I've walked past some in, in Paris and in Bordeaux, but I saw the prices and the, I thought they were really overpriced. <laughs> so... I, I tried to avoid it because I, I was afraid there was going to be like a, a tourist trap or something like that. But yeah, it's a shame that in Poitiers we don't have a Brazilian restaurant. So You could open a stand uh, in the market on Saturday. Yeah, I can try. <laughs> I'd be there, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things that I've, I appreciate about Poitiers more now than eight or so years ago that I arrived, that there are more um, opportunities to eat food from around the world. Um, when I mm. first arrived, it was very limited. But, but yeah. now, uh, especially the market there, yeah, the Iraqi stand, Turkish, uh, there's a Vietnamese kind of little restaurant in town now. That's definitely something that I did miss about my time in Paris, but I appreciate now about the, the way Poitiers has changed. 
Yeah. It's coming from Australia. Australia being such a sort of multicultural country, there are people from all around the world and, and yeah, with cuisines from all around the world as well. It's something that I really appreciate. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in spite of being a, kind of a small city, we, we do get a lot of options, uh, especially here in the center, like food-wise. There are quite a few good restaurants. Hope they all open again after the pandemic. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Speaking of the pandemic, has that changed your life very much uh, recently? I mean, has it been a difficult period? Um, how have you survived? Well, I mean, it's, it's not pleasant, definitely. It did change my life. I used to do a lot of sports after work, so I kind of had to stop that. Uh, that's been that's been hard, yeah. I used to love going out, especially on Friday night, <laughs> for a beer after work. So that's over as well. So I mean, social wise, it's it's been yeah, it's not it's kind of a big change. I I, I hope that things will go back to normal after whatever normal means uh, after all of that's this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of new normal, yeah, whatever that is. Do you get to go back to Brazil very often? Once a year, uh, more or less. Yeah. So when was the last time? Was it? Uh, did you manage last year or was it? Uh... 2019? No, it was in 2020. So I just after the end of my PhD, I went to Brazil for a vacation and my plan was to stay there for a month and a half. But then because of the pandemic, I, I was blocked there for like three months. So I came back here on June uh, last year. Yeah, so that was a rather big impact on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I try to go back once a year to to recharge my batteries, as I like to say, and yeah. <laughs> see my friends, my parents. Are there things that you miss about Brazil, either life or food or other other things generally? I miss, uh, I miss um, the weather mostly, I gotta say. But I miss... Uh, the atmosphere is different. I mean, I, do, I don't know how to define it. I do like the atmosphere. It's, there's this thing about Brazilian people, this kind of um, friendly thing. There, it's kind of insouciance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when you go out in Brazil, there's a there's an atmosphere of uh, I don't know. I really feel relaxed there. I feel I feel well. So I, I miss that a lot. Do you think you'll ever move back to Brazil? I mean, do you have a long-term plan? Or no, I don't have a long-term plan actually. I, I cannot really say actually. I, I think I'll go wherever the opportunities take me. How long are you in Poitiers now for? Uh, I'll be here until November, so that's when my contract uh, with the university finishes, mm -hmm. and then I'll see what comes up next. I believe your with um, your partner is uh, Italian. Yeah, she's Italian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Well, how did you meet? Did you meet here in Poitiers? Yeah, here in Poitiers. Yes, she was also doing a PhD when I arrived, so we we met at work, and then yeah, yeah, things just happened after that. <laughs> Well, perhaps so. so I'll get to interview her for the podcast as well. And yeah, that would be nice. Future, would be great. You mentioned before visiting Paris because you love the city. Have you travelled around other regions, other areas of France as well? I've travelled mostly in the west of France uh, and in Brittany a little bit when I was in uh, in Nantes. So this region, real close to Poitiers, towards the sea, I've I've been there quite a few times. I've been south, like in Bordeaux, Toulouse, and a little bit south of Toulouse. I've been to Pyrenees for a couple of times for for vacation. I visit a lot of quite nice places in the west of France, but the the east and the central part are missing for me. So I'm planning after all of this is over to take a few trips there. They're a bit harder to get to those two regions um, from Poitiers. Kind of either if you have to take the train, you have to go through Paris. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Transport in France uh, is not necessarily very easy to get around the country. Yeah. On your travels, do you kind of notice differences, cultural differences, let's say, between, or regional differences um, between, you know, the people and, I don't know, the, the way they eat or the way they interact with, with you and other people? From Brittany to the southwest or... 
Yeah, I guess in the southwest, you, if you really go to the mountains, you can see, uh, I think, a bit of Spanish uh, influence on France. Like, the, there are a lot of Spanish dishes on, on restaurants and stuff like that. I feel that the atmosphere is a, is a bit different as well. For example, if you go to restaurants, they stay open until later mm -hmm. and they open late. The Spanish influence again, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. There was a funny experience last time we were there with, with my girlfriend and with friends. We arrived at this, um, so there is this small city, which is Spanish, but it's inside France. So it's kind of a small pocket of Spain in France. And we went to a restaurant, it was like 7.30 or 8, and it was still closed. <laughs> and we were the first ones, and the, the waiter said, okay, you, do you want to eat already? Well, let's... <laughs> but the first thing you'll notice is the accent that changes in the southwest. Let's see other difference. People in Brittany have a have a f like a fame in France for being nicer than in other regions. Mm -hmm. But I, in my experience, it wasn't. I mean, I, I didn't say I wouldn't say that people from uh, the Pyrenees or the Southwest are less nice than people from yeah. Brittany, for example. France seems like a pretty friendly country in a, in a sense. Um, yeah, that's true. In general, people are nice. Yeah, I, I can't complain. I remember uh, traveling through the well, the south and southwest a bit, and I was living in Paris at the time. And the the best kind of icebreaker was to say that I was from Paris, but how glad I was to be taking a break from the big city. And I, obviously, I'm a foreigner, so I'm not a real Parisian. So they're like, "Yeah, Paris is terrible." That's kind of <laughs> <laughs> the easiest way to get them uh, to open up a little bit and get a smile. Are there big differences in Brazil in different regions, like cultural differences between the north uh, and, and the south? Yeah, there are. There are quite a few differences. The food is really, is really different. So depending where you're from, for example, in my hometown, it's it's a city in the coast, so we we eat a lot of fish, for example, or crab or shrimps or stuff like that. If you go to other cities, like in the middle of Brazil, far away, of course, this is not the case. There are big accent differences between regions. Uh, we don't have dialects, but there are quite a few different accents in Brazil. So, yeah, and can you pick them? You know, if you hear an accent, you know that's this region. Yeah, yeah, mostly I can. And one interesting thing I noticed that so I went when I went to Florianópolis to the other side of Brazil for quite some time. I was to hang out with people from there. So I noticed that I was beginning to change the like to lose the accent a little bit. But whenever I, I met someone from my hometown, it just came back instantly. Okay. And people, the locals from Florianopolis used to say, but why are you changing your way of speak when you, you meet them? <laughs> and what kind of accent do you have in French, do you think? Do, you, do people comment on your accent when you, when you speak? No, not really. I, I, not really. I mean, they, they can pick up that I'm a foreigner, of course. Someone asked me if I was Swiss once mm -hmm. or Belgian. But mostly, I, 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 don't, I think they have a hard time figuring out where the accent is from. It's more of a similarity between Portuguese and French than perhaps English and French. Yeah, yeah, there is. That, that's true. Being a Latin language, it was, I guess it was easier for me to learn French than for you, for example. Has that, speaking French, and when you go back to Brazil, do you, do you find any like holes in your Portuguese vocab vocabulary? Yeah, sometimes that happens, yeah. Sometimes you, I, I try to say something in Portuguese and I, I forget the word. I mean, I can only think of French and that, <laughs> that's kind of weird. Usually in the first week after I, I come back to Brazil, but then after I stay a while there and keeps coming back. <laughs> And then when you come back to France, how does that work then? Is it, uh, is it hard to get back into to French again? Or? In the beginning it was. So in the beginning, after a month of vacation in Brazil and I went back to work, it was 
I, I needed a couple of days to feel comfortable again speaking French every day and all the day. So in the beginning, I had to make an effort. I had headaches at the end of the day from like constantly trying to think and speak in French at the same time. But now I gotta say that I, I, I feel comfortable. So even if I take some time off French and then I come back, it's now now it's fine. So you are working in French every day? Part in French, part in English, to be honest. Because uh, in the university, there are lots of foreigners like me and all the communication in, in, in my work is it's in English. English mostly, but I interact a lot with technicians in the lab and people in the in the university in French. So it's if I had to guess, I would say 50-50. How did you learn your English? Just at school in Brazil? Yeah, in school in Brazil mostly, and then yeah, watching movies, extracurricular courses, listening to music, stuff like that. So when I was an English teacher in, in Sydney, Australia, um, I was in a private English language school, and quite a few of the students um, were from Brazil. They would come often with very little English. Perhaps they'd missed out on the English uh, at home, and, and then were coming to Australia for like six months a year to to learn English before before returning to Brazil or, yeah. or perhaps traveling around the world. We haven't really talked about what you do at the university. Can you tell me a bit more about uh, like the studies and the, and the research that you do? Yeah, yeah. So I I did my PhD in fluid mechanics at the University University of Poitiers. So my research concerns jet noise, so the noise made by aeroplane engines. So we we try to understand them, how it works, how it can be reduced. Here in Poitiers, there's a lot of research going on in, on that topic, being financed by both public money and private money from companies like Airbus, who are trying to make more silent aircraft. So it was in, in that context. Was that a, a passion sort of growing up or something you fell into during your studies? No, I kind of fell into that. Uh, I mean, I took my undergraduate course was in mechanical engineering. So that's that's really, really broad. And then during the master's, I had to choose one specific area. And there was this project going on in Brazil, which was called Silent Aircraft, which was also aimed at understanding uh, jet noise. So that really, that really, I got really interested in, in this topic. And then I just went for it. But it, was, it wasn't a plan from the beginning. And uh, where do you think that will take you in the future? I know it's very difficult for you to, to say, but I mean, where do you think the, the airline industry will go in the future as well? Uh, I guess not many flights are crisscrossing the globe now. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's funny because uh, um, I think before, a couple of decades ago, people used to think that you would fly at higher and higher speeds uh, ever. But actually, the tendency is, is the opposite. Uh, we'll most probably go towards uh, lower speed flights uh, because of fuel consumption, maybe, mostly. So, yeah, I think it's going in that direction. So, it doesn't seem as uh, sexy as supersonic <laughs> flight, let's say. But uh... So, how many, uh, how many people in, in the, the lab where you, where you work? Yeah, so the lab is pretty big. There are different groups inside it. It's not just fluid mechanics. There are people from other areas. Uh, so in our group, my closer group, let's say we are about 10, 12 people who work closely. Most of them are foreigners. There are two or three French, but uh, most of the team is... When I mean team, I mean PhD students and postdocs like me. They are from other countries. But then there are the people who work who have permanent jobs at the university. They are mostly French. So I interact with them a lot as well. Is it a good atmosphere in the, the university? Is it a, an ambiance that you appreciate? Yeah, yeah, I, I really like the ambience. I mean, the fact that we come from different places, I think that makes it a really rich environment. So I liked it a lot. It's a really motivating uh, atmosphere to work. The ambience is great. I mean, I, I think compared to, to the private sector or, or the industry, it's a much more relaxed uh, atmosphere. So I, I liked it. 
you have the necessary or sufficient funds or is a budget a problem every year in your experience? Um, no, not in my area, uh, to be honest. For some reason, there is a lot of money here in Poitiers yeah. for, the, for, for my area of research, so I, I cannot complain. I have full support in that sense. Because I think I've heard or read in recent years that researchers in France have been very unhappy with the investment, either from the state or... Yeah, I, I think in general that's true. I mean, there are less and less public money being thrown in, in, in research in all areas, I think. So different like different labs from different parts of the country have to, to go into war to, to dispute the, the, the funding from the, the private sector. But there's a, a very well-established partnership here in Poitiers between the university and, and big companies like Airbus, for instance, that comes from a long time. So we, we are kind of privileged in that sense. Would you have a preference for working in the, the public sector, the private sector in, in the future? I think I'm going to say in the public, I, I like doing research. I think that's, that's, uh, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I like the atmosphere of, of the university, of interacting with people, like really interesting people, uh, really smart people. Not to say that in, in the, you won't find that in the private sector, but it's been a great experience for me in, uh, in research. So I, I think I want to stay there. So if you don't stay in Poitiers, would you look for uh, elsewhere in France or in another country? Do you think... Uh... Well, the scientific language uh, seems to be English today, um, yeah. so you can presumably work anywhere, but would you look at other countries, Spain or Germany, Italy, I don't know, the UK, and do you speak other languages like Spanish or... No, I speak, I speak English, French and Italian a little bit. I would like to say in Europe, I think that's for sure. But I don't know which country. I think that that's still an open question. I don't have a problem going to other countries. I, I think I'm feeling that as I'm getting older, I'm getting lazier to to <laughs> to move to other to other cities and start everything up again, meeting new friends and stuff like that. But I, I think it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, moving to another country. Just on a sort of a side note, I asked you about languages. Um, if someone speaks Spanish to you, can you understand them? Is Portuguese and Spanish kind of similar enough for you to be able to have a conversation in, in two languages? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually. They're really close. Like if, if you see a text in Portuguese and Spanish, I think there is like a 90% of overlap between them. So I could, for example, read a uh, text in Spanish uh, in spite of the fact that I never studied Spanish in, in my life. So yeah, especially in the, with the South American accent, I, I can understand a lot of stuff that I hear in Spanish. And we can, we can speak in what we call Portuñol, which okay. is a, it's a freestyle mix between Portuguese and Spanish. Okay, I've never heard of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember traveling through uh, South America many years ago now, when I was a young man, and being in the back of a bus. I think I was in Peru, sitting across from uh, a guy from Brazil, and um, my Spanish was quite good at that time. It's now terrible. But um, well, we had a conversation. Um, mm. I think I understood more or less what he was sort of saying. Because, uh, yeah, the, the South American Spanish is easier in terms of uh, the accent I, I find as an Australian uh, mm -hmm. to understand. And to speak as well. Yeah, and, and for some reason, some many people have told me that it doesn't work in the other sense. I mean, if you talk to people who are native Spanish speakers, they can't understand when I speak Portuguese, for example. Maybe this has to do with the fact that in Brazilian Portuguese, the way you speak doesn't necessarily correspond to the phonetic sounds, uh, to, to the way you read, for example. There, there's a lot of change between what's written and what, it, what is spoken. And it doesn't seem to be the case in Spanish or in Italian, for example. Mm -hmm. So for apparent that, that makes it easier for Brazilian Brazilians to understand Spanish, <laughs> but not the other way around. And uh, what about Brazilian Portuguese and, and Portuguese Portuguese? Is there a, a big difference in terms of accent and, and music to the language? And... Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really big difference. If I had to make a parallel, I would say that it's like French in here in France and French in, in Canada, for example. So we, we can understand each other. Sometimes it is hard, I, I gotta say, but mostly <laughs> you can understand them. But yeah, it's completely different. 
the, the region of expressions, the way we turn some sentences, the, the way you express yourself is, is different. Have you ever been to Portugal? Yeah, I've been there twice, yeah, on vacation. What's that experience like? It was really good because um, I felt a, a bit closer to home <laughs> for some reason. I, I, I feel I feel more relaxed now I go there. I feel okay. Now I, now, now I won't get into trouble. Everybody can understand me all the time. So, no, but it was cool. I mean, um, I've been to Lisbon and Porto. And they're both really nice cities. When were you in, in Portugal? I was there last time, 2018, I think. I remember when I was there probably almost 10 years ago now in Lisbon, I really had the impression that there were almost no young people in the city. It was um, it was really strange. Maybe it was my own projections. It was kind of around the time of the, the economic crisis, the global economic crisis. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, a lot of young Portuguese people had left to look for uh, job opportunities or even just to pursue studies elsewhere. But um, it was really strange. Uh, it was I really enjoyed the city, but it did seem like sort of stepping into the past a little bit. Um, because of well the architecture, but also the fact that yeah most of the people I saw were grey-haired and wrinkled. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see what you I mean. I don't know if that's changed. I'm sure it probably has in the last. Uh... Well, I didn't get that impression. I've heard it's much no, more saw... vibrant in terms of young people and student life to date. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was there, it was really a lively place and uh, vibrant. Porto maybe more so than than Lisbon because Porto is a is a student city, so you you can meet a lot of uh, students and uh, young people uh, who go there. Not only Portuguese people, but there are a lot of Brazilians as well that go there to to study. So it's a it's a really lively place. Yeah. You mentioned student city. Um, that's a good opportunity to bring our conversation back to Poitiers, which is, of course, a yeah, student yeah. city. Is that is that one of the things you appreciate? Do you spend time in, in student circles? Is that one of the things you liked about Poitiers? Uh, yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Uh, the fact that you can meet a lot of students and young people. In the beginning, I used to hang out a lot with groups of Erasmus people who were here temporarily for like a year or so. So I, I met lots of them. They kind of come and go in waves. So from time to time, there's a new batch of new students. And, and I really appreciate that. It makes Poitiers a really attractive city, culturally wise. Is there any sort of Brazilian community in Poitiers? Or? There are some groups, uh, not a lot, but I've seen uh, groups of capoeira. For example, it's a Brazilian, uh, it's, a Brazilian uh, it's not a martial art, but it's more like a cultural activity. There is a group here in Poitiers called Batuca Bras. I don't know if, you, if you've met them. It's a percussion group. Okay. They used to play in the center a lot before the pandemic. I think they started off as a Brazilian group, but now they they have a lot of French people and local people as well. Do you uh, do you do capoeira or uh, any of these typical sort of traditional Brazilian? No, no, I don't, I don't do. I mean, I, I I did it for a very short time uh, when I was in Brazil, uh, but then I quit. I did I didn't pursue that. But it's I mean it's a it's a very beautiful art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I feel a bit guilty asking that question. It's like when someone asks me if I surf, you know, coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't, so I'm not a. <laughs> People are always a bit disappointed yeah. to hear that. <laughs> In terms of yeah, becoming a part of Poitiers' social and cultural life. How, how do you feel that you've been accepted by, by local French people? Um, can you tell me more about your experience of integrating French life? Yes, I feel that I've been well accepted by the, by the locals in general, by the, the French people here. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that I made an effort from the beginning to, to speak French. I think that's an essential thing if you really want to integrate here. I think most of people can understand if you speak English, for example, but it's clear to me that they really appreciate more when you make the effort to speak French. And I tried to do that from the beginning. Beginning. So the social, like the, the integration period was kind of smooth, I get to say. After a couple of months, I, I felt that I 
I was really well accepted. I mean, they, they didn't look at me in a strange way because I was a foreign or anything. Have you been invited to people's homes and that kind of? Yeah, thing? Yeah. yeah, I've been. I've been a lot of time. So I, I really appreciate that. I've I've taken vacations with friends from that I'm French people that I met in the lab, for example, and that was a really cool experience. Is that different the way people and friends interact in in France than in Brazil? I mean, inviting whether you meet at people's homes or meet in, in bars or in restaurants or outside. Uh, are there cultural differences? Yeah, yeah, I, there there are. So let's see. In Brazil, I think people are more outgoing in in general. So it's that first contact when you meet strange people is easier. I get the impression in Brazil, you you are able to make friends quicker. I guess. Or meet, not necessarily make friends, but hang out with people in general in bars and restaurants uh, in an easier manner. So I felt that in France, this initial interaction is harder. It takes more time. But once you break the ice, then it's fine. You just need to know how to do that. <laughs> and that takes a little bit of experience. Any tips for our listeners on how to, to break the French ice? Uh, what can I say? <laughs> I, I, I guess in the beginning I was... I was really worried all the time that would they would be impolite or that I wouldn't be able to to speak French correctly. I think you need to be more uh, yourself in in that sense. I mean, you you can't be afraid of speaking your mind, saying what you want, being yourself, not being worried about if people are gonna think you're strange or you have strange habits or, or something like that. I mean, uh, I guess that once I started doing that, I started like acting like with my real personality, things went went smoother. Maybe it's not such a big deal for, for you in Portuguese. I'm, I'm, I don't know the Portuguese language, but are there the, the formal and the informal form of you? Like in, in French, there's the vous and the tu. Uh, no, there used to be, but the, 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 there is no such thing anymore. So how did you navigate that in French? Was that easy? Does that cause for some sort of discomfort sometimes or a bit of stress about offending people if you use the wrong form? No, that never happened to me because I, I made a lot of attention to that in the beginning. Like to whenever I met a strange person, I made like paid attention to call them vous all the time. But for some reason, maybe because in Brazil we don't have that, I try to avoid that now whenever I can. I mean, whenever I can, I do it because I I feel that this makes things easier after for the interaction. Uh, I feel more relaxed when I do that. So, yeah, I mean, in the work I do that all the, I do it all the time. And you see between colleagues that colleagues generally uh, use the informal form? Uh, yeah, in the, in the lab, I mean, at work, it's usually informal. Are you satisfied with your French now or do you still think you need to improve? <laughs> uh, I'm satisfied with it in general, but I think I can improve, definitely. I'd like to, to be able to mask my accent <laughs> so people in general can spot immediately that I'm not French. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'd like to be able to to hide that because that would be funny. <laughs> no, but in general, I, now I don't have any problem communicating, so I, I'm pretty happy about that. Do you read in French? Yeah, I do. Today? I do. Yeah, yeah. Newspapers or more books? Uh... No, no, I've, I, I read books as well. I've recently tried to to read a lot of the the French classics. So mm-hmm. I read uh, Victor Hugo, I read Balzac, I read uh, Camus. Favorite books uh, among those? Yeah, I think the Le Miserable was was a really great book that I really enjoyed. It's it's long and, and it was a long journey, and sometimes it can be a bit tiring. But yeah, it was it was really great. I mean, I felt really uplifted after I, I read that book. I've never read it. I should read more French and more of the classics, perhaps. Have you read this book? Um, I'm asking Igor, uh, underneath the microphone that uh, is in front of him, there's a book uh, by a Brazilian writer. It's in English, but do you know this uh, this writer? Yeah, I know, yeah. Have you read any of his, his stuff? 
Yeah, could, I read. Did you pronounce his name? Yeah, it's Machado de Assis. Yeah, it's maybe the most famous Brazilian writer, maybe. Yeah, I've read some things of some of his books. Like uh, there are maybe two. There are the most well known. I think is Don Casmo. I read it. I read a couple of others. It's really good stuff. Yeah, I love it. Too. I've got a few books here of his in, in both French and English. Okay, so is he well known abroad? I'd say no, but I think uh, just at the end of last year, there have been a new translation of some of his work, um, maybe his other really well-known book, um, which I think in English is the posthumous memoirs of Bras, Bras Cubas. Bras. Yes. Yeah. So I think there have been new translations that uh, um, received reviews on the New York Times and so on. So I think, uh, yeah, uh, there were glowing reviews as well. So perhaps he'll find a new English uh, language audience. Um, okay. But really great stuff. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, yeah, you thank you. It was pleasure. great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I look forward to yeah continuing this adventure and perhaps in the future. And well, if you're still here in a couple of years, uh, we'll re reconnect and uh, have another discussion. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again, Igor. And to all you listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. For me, it really was like a free roaming voyage through both France and Brazil. As I said to Igor, I've never read Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, and I admit the book is not at the top of my list of books to read, although perhaps it should be. I am now extremely tempted to read and, in fact, reread Machado de Assis, who I think everyone should know. He is one of a number of writers whose work reminds me of something Pablo Neruda said about Julio Cortazar. I quote, Anyone who doesn't read Cortazar is doomed. Not to read him is a serious, invisible disease, which in time can have terrible consequences. Something similar to a man who has never tasted peaches. He would quietly become sadder, and probably, little by little, he would lose his hair. One of my favorite writers, James Salas, of whom I would say the above quote also applies, opens one of the books in his Lou Griffin series of poetic and atmospheric crime novels set in New Orleans with a quote from Machado de Assis, his book Posthumous Memoirs of Cubas. In justice to my father, one should note that he resorted to elaborate invention only after experimenting with simple falsehood. That gives a little taste of the humor of the writer, I think, and shows that there are connections everywhere you may care to look, in the world of literature and in the world. But are they not the same thing? Thanks for listening. Until next time.